Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Travel Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Mehra. All right. This is literally a last one discussion. Uh, so just to give you guys a brief background, Abhijit had written a thread today uh, uh, in light of the recent case where the Sikh girl from Jammu and Kashmir was I'm going to use the word allegedly because I have to, according to law, allegedly for kidnapped and forcibly converted into Islam. And then what uh, what happened after that, where she the family objected and then now she's been married off and now she's married off to a Sikh boy. So Abhijit wrote a particular thread to which Anand responded. And then me being the greatest opportunist in the history of planet Earth said, and then they were nice <laughs> enough to agree to come on the podcast. So through Abhijit and Anand, guys, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Thanks very much. Hi, Abhijit. Hi, Kushal. It's a real pleasure, as always. Sant, Sant Mangal Das Patwardhan ki shre aap sab pe bani rahe. <laughs> All right, guys. So this is how we're going to do it. Uh, Mary Anand or Abhijit ki baat si. So Abhijit, you had a thread. Likha tha. So how about this? So we'll set it up like this. You make your opening. Thread tha, hey, I didn't use any abuses. I just used the word duffer. And I said, uh, uh, Kennel Club of India ka uh, best to- best of breed in the toy dog uh, category. Okay. <laughs> so, Abhijit, let's do this. It was, so I, you... have, I have to say, that I am so sorry, uh, Kushal. I had to, while replying to the thread, if you noticed, I, I started a thread of my own saying that, hi, Abhijit, I read your thread. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't link to Abhijit's thread. Salah, itni galiyan lagi bhi thi, aisa lagi hai, logo ki, yaar, mujhe galiyan, mujhe galiyan padhi hai, isle mein respond kar raho. Iski putai ho ni chahiye. Please carry on. So, thik hai. So, so we're gonna be going like this. Abhijit will make the opening remarks. After that, Anand will make his Pushin. opening remarks. And then, and I will follow up from that. Okay, so uh, I think what Kushal wanted me to do was start speaking. So basically, my contention is this. There are three kinds of conversion that you see in India. Number one is voluntary. The second is forced. And the third is fraudulent. What's the difference? The voluntary is where (coughs) very frequently you see the kind of socioeconomic structure that uh, Christians have. They have excellent educational institutions, they, uh, whether they're excellent or not. I mean, uh, from what I've heard of St. Stephen's teaching, it's absolute uh, uh, crap. But uh, uh, it, it's the norm setting uh, education, right? So Christian colleges and so-called convent schools are the norm setters and they are a, a, a desirable commodity. So there's a lot of conversion to Christianity to be able to, be able to access that. Also, and it caters to every strata of society. There is an inducement for the higher end of society and there's an inducement for the lower end of society, including an entire church infrastructure that will give you uh, education, uh, that will look after you when you're sick and things like that. And a lot of conversion happens, tends to happen because of that. Some of it also happens because they are uh, not entirely comfortable with the caste structure in India and discrimination and things like that. So we've seen protest conversions happen and they happen a lot, number one. 
Number two is forced conversions. And this is something you largely see in uh, uh, where Muslim ghettos happen, where, you know, there's a kind of coercive element to it. You see this a lot in Pakistan. It's spoken about in Pakistan. In India, it is suppressed. The third is fraudulent conversion. Like uh, just recently, I think three, four days back, where uh, this guy pretended to be a Hindu and then the parents threatened the girl and things like that. That also happens quite a bit. Now, there are two, uh, these three phenomenon have to be separated into two. One is where you have voluntary conversions, which is a sociological problem. And the other two, which are law and order problems. Okay, uh, they both have, but the most worrying one, which is the uh, sociological one, results in the maximum number of conversions. Now, why is this happening? It's because Hindus don't have a unified charity ecosystem like this, an education plus charity plus social service structure. And this, remember, is a country that provides you with virtually no social services. So this becomes very, very important. Now, remember, the British never nationalized temples. The Muslims did not nationalize temples in this country. The government of a so-called secular India did. And in that, they have removed any kind of power that Hindus had to resist social inducements to convert. Okay, so we're confusing two different phenomenons completely. One is the sociological phenomenon. And the other two are the complete absence of law and order in this country, which is why you need police reforms and you need a massive expansion of the police force in this country. Now, the problem is everybody wants to ignore this and they don't want to talk about the return of Hindu temples. Now, I can give you example after example after example, but let's focus on Anatolia, uh, which is to say modern day Turkey, Asiatic Turkey, which is where this is best documented because we still have massive surviving church records which show you how the conversion took place. When the emperors of Rome, when Constantine converts to Christianity, it was only 35% Christian. But within the space of almost 50, 60 years, it had become almost 60 to 70% Christian. And then the coercion started. When Emperor Honorius declared, uh, this was the Western Roman Emperor, not the Eastern Roman Emperor, when he finally declared Christianity to be the state religion, he declared all pagans persecuted and he brought about an innovation. When the Romans had declared Christian Christianity a persecuted religion, non-compliance was not punished. Whereas what Honorius introduced was an innovation. He said, if you are not able to get rid of X number of pagans or X number of pagan temples, the governor will be punished. Okay, uh, you see the similar trend happening in the Eastern Roman Empire much earlier. And uh, it was mostly done through the seizure because it was the majority community. It is the exact same rationale that was used by Nehru to grab all the temples. Okay, this will be state managed. And so when the state converts, it is completely lost to you. The revenues are lost to you. Uh, the social network it provides is lost to you. Okay, and when the Muslims come, the Turks mostly come into Anatolia, they basically start seizing church land. And remember, in those days, wealth was agricultural. So the moment you take away the revenues of the church, the church becomes impoverished and it can no longer. So the churches were not nationalized, but their lands were nationalized or seized. Uh, those days, you didn't have nationalization seized. So the churches were not able to provide uh, the kind of uh, social support that was required. And the whole of Anatolia, within the period of almost 100 years, becomes overwhelmingly Muslim. Right, 90% Muslim, 90% plus. 
So this is a standard pattern. And the threat has started ever since the formation of the Republic of India. It didn't exist in the Mughal period. It didn't even exist in the Delhi Sultanate period to the extent it exists today. So these are two completely different strains. And I think people are trying to give a free pass to the BJP that even after seven years, it has not put temples and temple revenues back in Hindu hands. And the problem is the campaign for the return of this has not focused on the sociological aspects. It keeps focusing on we also want equality. You focus on why it is important to you. Okay, uh, I'll leave it there. All right, Anand, now your time to come in. So yeah, make uh, your comments. Right. Thanks. First of all, thanks very much, uh, Koshal, for having me. As usual, it's a pleasure. And also the pleasure is double because I see my good friend Abhijit there. God knows what he's having. Like Ronaldo, is he having Coca-Cola? I don't know. Um, but uh, okay, is that diet? Okay, that's good. Yes, it's diet only. <laughs> good. So you're not. I, I, I suspected you weren't Ronaldo but uh, from your physique, but uh, it's good. Well, uh, I, I have to say this at the outset that Abhijit has made two points. And uh, one of them is absolutely brilliant. It is the most pertinent point, which I will come to later. Because I had thought of it. Abhijit basically has linked uh, temple funds and the control of temples to conversion, which is uh, astoundingly brilliant. And it has to be addressed. But I'll come to that a bit later. Because uh, what I gleaned from his thread was something which was more uh, counterfactual and uh, philosophical. Along the lines uh, uh, that, Abhijit, you may agree with me, whether conversion is is good or bad. That, that was my contention. But as I said, you've addressed two points here. Uh, so I have absolutely no disagreement with you on the second brilliant point that when you've linked temple control of temples by the government to uh, the conversion uh, thing. And this is absolutely pertinent point, And the government must answer to this. And I, I think you're probably the first one who's linked it. At least I, in my knowledge, uh, I think I'm hearing it for the first time from you, this linking of thing. And it is so obvious and so logical. Uh, it's like one of those things. Why didn't I think of it before myself? But it's one of those things. Uh, as far as the uh, conversion thing is concerned, now, Abhijit, I think all three of us, uh, let me speak for all three of us. I think we are on the same page. We are either atheists or agnostics. I am an atheist. Abhijit uh, is probably an atheist as well. And um, yes, Kushal, you are an agnostic or an atheist? You are a charvak. I am, I am a charvak. <coughs> I don't like to call myself an atheist or agnostic. Okay. I'm just okay. So materialist. Very close, yeah. He's, he's always like an electron in the uh, in in the last uh, this thing. Is is always on the last level, you know. He's always hovering around. So I mean, the point is, I why I say on the same page is because I have nothing against proselytizing. Unlike Mahatma Gandhi, you wanted to ban proselytizing, is because uh, I, I feel nothing wrong in somebody putting forth his point of view as to what he believes is good, and what he believes is bad, because. If I were to go and give a lecture, I would certainly go and give a lecture as to why religion is bad. And I would bring out the bad things of all religions. And I would, I would urge people to convert or uh, convert to atheism is a wrong this thing. But, you know, to junk religion, leave the fold of religion and become an atheist. So if I can do that, I, I, it will be a double standard uh, on, my, on my point or, you know, duplicitous on my, my point that if I were to say, no, I can do it, 
but somebody wanting other person to become religious or to come to his religious fold is wrong so uh, on 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 theory aspect of it i find nothing wrong now let us come to uh, as to uh, you know every argument that i make i always bring out myself a counterpoint as to not make a fool of myself in public ki khud hi pehle pata laga lo bhai koi galti to nahi kar rahe apne argument mein pata chala baad mein abhi abhi ji to kushal aur twitter pe jo itne baithe hue kahe kya gadha aadmi kya gadha point rakha hai hata usko so you know while thinking of uh, counter arguments i have the following counter argument to what abhijit also said and i think it's i think it's quite interesting but first let me tell you that i feel nothing wrong in somebody leaving a religion or what i find it amusing is somebody leaving a a religion and joining another religion because according to me religions are destructive so it, it is amusing I, i think dr ambedkar did it for political reasons i mean when he said i'll i was born a hindu i won't die a hindu Uh, so he left uh, he might as well have become an atheist but i think he didn't possibly because he wanted to prove a political point because uh, to quote him he said conversion to islam or christianity will denationalize the depressed classes if they go to islam the number of muslims will be doubled and the danger of muslim domination also becomes real unquote so this is ambedkar saying when he said you know i'll i'll leave uh, the fold of hinduism he's saying that why i won't go to islam or christianity which is the two major other religions to which people convert to or are sometimes forced most times forced or convert to and we all know about his views about islam so i don't need to go into that they were very scathing and of course the left doesn't bring that out i mean he said wherever there is rule of islam there is his own country in other words islam can allow a true muslim to adopt india as his motherland and regard a hindu as his kith and kin now it is amusing for me when hindus uh, leave hinduism and join or become or uh, go into the fold of a religion that treats them as kafirs that has thousands of verses uh, that uh, you know humiliate them want them killed uh call them the worst of creatures want them to roast in hell so it is amusing to me why hindus uh, you know do that uh, maybe they think that we are not we don't want to be hindus at all which also is acceptable to me because remember all those points that made ambedkar leave hinduism many of them are still applicable even though centuries have passed i mean there is rampant discrimination in hinduism the religion of hinduism and uh, you know there are people who uh, 100 years ago were called untouchable who still are considered untouchable so there is an argument as to why should i remain a hindu if you people think so bad of me if you people don't even think of me as a human being why the hell should i remain a hindu so that argument still say stays the third thing that i want to say is that if you look at uh, uh, you know the uh, the darling of the left in all other aspects except for what he also quoted gurudev ramindranath tagore let me quote him also quote there are two religions on earth which have distinct enmity against all other religions those two are christianity and islam they are not just satisfied with observing their own religions but are determined to destroy all other religions unquote this is what ramindranath tagore said and it is absolutely true theoretically it is true it is the job of every christian and every muslim to propagate his or her religion 
And if you look at particularly Islam, if you look at what is quoted in the Islamic scriptures, then what Gurudev said is absolutely true. They are determined to destroy all other religions. Now, it, as I said, it is up to a man to uh, or a woman to convert to such religions. But I would find it amusing to leave one religion only to adopt another religion. But that's just me. Now, let me come to uh, the slight objection that I had to what Abhijit said. Now, as I said, we're on the same page. I am for conversion. But here is a scenario. Now, the scenario is as follows. As Abhijit said, why should somebody have any problem? Faith is a free marketplace. If somebody wants to uh, uh, you know, tell a person that you convert to, let's say, Christianity or Islam, and I will take care of your health, your education, you are dirt poor, you can't even afford a square meal, and somebody gives you that, what is the problem? Now, on paper, he's absolutely right. It is a trans it's a private transaction between two individuals. And if one individual, his family, is almost dying, not able to afford, and I would say you would have to be mad to actually not accept it. That, that is my first impression. So in that sense, Abhijit is right. But here is the counter. It's not only a counter argument, it's also a counterfactual. Because these things are coming true. Let us say billions and billions of dollars are invested or petrodollars or people who belong to one religion. And they start converting people of, let's say, Abhijit's town or my, my town or anybody's town. And slowly what you see within a period of a decade, sometimes even less, as what happened in Kashmir, as is what has happened in many pockets in India, many pockets, the town becomes, the, the minority becomes the majority. So the town, yeah, so just very briefly, just I was just ending my argument. Now, now because the whole town has converted, uh, Abhijit still resists, let us say. And Abhijit has a particular dispensation, sexual orientation, as he has publicly admitted, is homosexual. But the religion to which now most majority of the town belongs to hates homosexuals. So much so that leave alone boycott, they want to throw them from off the roofs. So uh, now, what does Abhijit do? Now, you can say, look, if you are breaking the Indian law, then obviously you would be arrested. It's easier said than done, number A. It, the, the humiliation, the treatment of Abhijit need not be physical. They need not take him to the roof and throw him. They will simply socially boycott him. They will not buy his stuff. They will not allow him to speak. They will not allow him to have his religious festivals. They will, as you know, all those things would happen. And slowly what would happen is Abhijit would himself realize it is torture living like this. Let me move out. And that is what the genesis of ethnic cleansing is. And we have seen it time and again from towns, small towns to even bigger towns to states. Now, how has this been brought about? This has been brought about by a set of people. And as you know, the converts, they are more Catholic than the Pope. And Naipaul also has shown that in you know other countries that have that were Islamicized, in, especially in the in the eastern, uh, you know, like Indonesia, Malaysia. So they would go all out to embrace all those things which many traditional Muslims over thousands of years, like or you know even Abhijit has given examples of Iran, how forward-looking Iranians are. I mean, you know, on the street, but you don't see this amongst many newly converted Muslims because they want to prove that yes, they are strong adherents to Islam. So you have flogging for homosexuality, 
for so many other things you know sharia laws being implemented even in pakistan you know sharia laws were implemented hudood laws and many pakistanis were against it but they blamed zia rather than the laws uh, that were decreed by allah so you know all those hypocrisies would continue but at the end of the day abhijit you have to answer this that all this thing the change in the town within less than a decade has been brought about by legal conversion and that is my problem that although i am against illegal conversion sometimes the line is so thin that you cannot really demarcate what is legal and what is illegal what is inducement what is not so what happens is who suffers in the end abhijit you who were all right with those people who were tolerant that let those people do whatever they want you are the one who will suffer in the end okay so uh first i'm going to address some of the other things that anand brought up as well but let me answer this specific scenario uh as is so remember one if you have extremely good uh uh rule of law and police that kind of social ostracism uh uh is unfortunately acceptable okay uh, in a society you can ostracize whoever you want cancel culture is no different uh, even in other cases you know you find republicans moving away from california and uh, uh, new york and going to uh, other states and things like that 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 is what happens uh, it is a common phenomenon uh, there's nothing you can do about it the issue here is where forward uh, we are prognosticating that this is how a society will turn out to be and banning conversion today how is that different from how is us saying you can't follow what religion you want different from that future christian or muslim majority society saying that uh, uh you can't be a homosexual okay there are, they both involve a fundamental trespass of individual freedoms now i do understand that christianity and islam are particularly dangerous in this uh, sense because they are fundamentally intolerant we have to separate these two religions from every other religion that has come before or existed side by side with these two religions because remember when rome controlled greece and egypt they just adopted the gods romans would go to egyptian temples egyptians would go to greek temples isis was venus who was aphrodite depending on where you were uh, you look at alexander's invasion of india megasthenes says or there is no original text but the quotes of megasthenes's book say that alexander came to the temple of hercules in india and worshiped out there they didn't even see people as being vishnu or krishna or whatever they didn't see ha ah, this is hercules we're going to worship hercules kind of thing etc 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 now the problem here is one are you based on a future of possible intolerance which would mostly be if you continue to remain a third world country bar individual choices today is that ethical is that legal i doubt that very much right because remember it is the christian west that has pioneered individual rights for the longest period of time uh, for the last 100 200 years almost okay it they were also the most intolerant at one point of time because, but they have become a pinnacle of tolerance today you look in the muslim world uh, the most tolerant societies right now are the uae which was an absolute backward hell hole till the 1960s 
right? So I think we're confusing development with intolerance. And Saudi Arabia is now following the UAE developmental path. The biggest counter to this was Saudi Arabia, which now we see is going down the path of the UAE. And in about 30, 40 years, if Mohammed bin Salman lives, they will be like that, right? Now, look at all the particularly intolerant countries. Uh, and don't please don't confuse having a lot of wealth with being a developed society. They are two completely different things. You know, you can be very rich and you can still be extremely backward. Uh, you look at the kind of societal intolerance. Most of these come in extremely backward or, uh, uh, you know, uh, underdeveloped countries. Uh, Iran, for example, had its uh, industrial revolution aborted at one phase. And people don't realize it's a deindustrialized country now. So th these are confusing an anthropological phenomenon of being an industrialized country. And another issue here, which is, you know, a forward, based on a forward prognostication, you are banning conversion today. And I don't think you can do that. Right. Okay. It uh, doesn't matter if they're intolerant. Tell me, how is it any different from us saying, you know, you're not allowed to convert? It's 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 the exact same thing. Tomorrow, if the majority, if they have enough of a parliamentary majority to change the constitution as per law, to outlaw Hinduism, it will come up against the basic structure argument of the constitution in the Supreme Court. If they have enough judges to overturn the basic structure argument of the Supreme Court and say you can ban a religion based on national exigency, then, you know, unfortunately, they've ticked all the marks in the constitutional process and procedure. I still don't see how you're going to prevent that from happening because conversion or no conversion law, you will have crypto converts. In Rome, they reach 35% through crypto conversion. Even today, most of the people who seek SCST quotas are actually crypto converts. Okay, so it's not, it's going to push things underground. It is going to criminalize it, which actually makes it a much more dangerous uh, uh, religion. Because remember, the criminalization of Christianity in the Roman Empire actually made it a much, much, much more uh, uh, resolute force because it had all kinds of redundancies built into it. Just two more minutes, uh, Kushal, if you let me. There are uh, some specific points that I want to bring up. You know, uh, uh, just, just uh, sorry to describe. Kushal, Kushal, sorry. I hope you're noting down because I I, I remembered. I, I thought I would rebut three of Abhijit's points, but I have forgotten. But anyway, so please, uh, I hope you're noting down. Noting down the uh, Abhijit is making wonderful points, but he's making a lot of wonderful points. As is his problem. <laughs> but continue, Abhijit. Two more minutes. I hope I won't forget. Uh, won't uh, next. Forget. Remember, they are not converting from faith to faith. Uh, the faith, the faith to faith conversion happens in the elites or in people who have a certain religious bent of mind who go into theology and things like that. Mostly, and this is, uh, uh, you know, this is a sociological reality across the world. Conversion happens for convenience. Because remember, religion itself is a contract. I will worship you and in return, you will cure me from disease or you will give me wealth or etc, etc. Or free me from slavery or occupation or whatever. So these things, for, for the majority, they are converting from one ecosystem to another. They are not converting from faith to faith. I challenge you, go to a majority of people and see what they understand about Advaita philosophy. 
or any kind of Hindu philosophy. Most of our religion in India is passed on through uh, osmosis. With Muslims and Christians, Christians are particularly good at this because they actually, you know, you have to recite your catechism and things. They are taught theology. You have to have your confirmation and so on and so forth. Islam less so, but it still happens in Islam. In Hinduism, there is no teaching. So you are not converting from faith to faith. Third, very important point that Anand brought up, that you are considered inferior uh, till you convert. Well, I mean, social mobilization is one of the main reasons that Middle East became Muslim. Remember in what other religion could a slave become sultan over and over and over again? You look at virtually every sultan from the Delhi Sultanate to Egypt to the Mamluk Sultanate in Egypt, uh, to the Seljuks, to the Ghaznavis and Ghoris. At one point, a, a large part of their sultans were former slaves. They didn't even know who their parents were when they were captured in slave markets in Central Asia. And they were slave sultans, effectively. Right. So Islam provided an amazing social mobility at a time when that social mobility did not exist. That was another big so uh, uh, conversion in Iran and places like that. Iraq happens for a different set of reasons, which is the kind of social mobility that Islam gives you. Why would you not take that up here? You're told you're Dalit. You are under me. You can't enter my temple. There you're told by to Sultan Ban Sattah. Now, the counter to this also comes in the 1300s under Ibn Taymiyyah, who brings up this concept of takfir, that only an Arab interpretation of Islam can be a correct interpretation of Islam. These Turko-Mongol interpretations of Islam, and they are not really Muslims, you know, they are kind of inferior. So ISIS also treats Indians like absolute rubbish. They're given toilet cleaning duties and things like that. But if you convert based on whatever has been told to you, that is your free will. If you got defrauded, then go to the Supreme Court and lodge a case against them. Right. And with fraud and forced conversions, there is, in fact, an extremely clear line. There is a very clear line which you can actually ascertain. There is, to a great degree, there is a jurisprudential standard to which you can ascertain. The problem in this country is we have such complete judicial capriciousness uh, there is no concept of jurisprudence in Indian law as it is understood in the developed world, which is a law and order situation. It is not a situation with the religion itself. I'll end there. Okay. So uh, thank you, Kushal. You've, uh, on, on the private chat, you've, you've sent a few points, but I think there are about seven or eight points that uh, Abhijit made. Uh, let me very quickly, even though uh, it might be a bit scattato, um, uh, number one, Abhijit, you must realize that the religion, uh, like a Hindu, is someone who's converting to uh, apostasy. The punishment for apostasy is certain death. So you may convert, you may enjoy converting to Islam. But if after a few years or a few months you say, oh, my God, no, I want to leave this, you can't. The punishment is death. So, uh, you know, you, you can't just, this is a one-way street. You can't get back. And if you remember, there was a poetess in, uh, in Kerala. I forget her name. She wanted to revert back or quote-unquote gharwapsi. And uh, there were death threats against her. I don't know whether she managed to or not. Uh, so, you know, this, this is a very predatory, uh, uh, you know, concept where, uh, you know, you, you give all sorts of very happy inducements. But the moment you say, look, I'm not very satisfied with this. Can I please leave? The answer is, no, I'm sorry. No, you know, 
did did we not tell you that we are going to kill you if you leave the second point abhijit is that while you are you are right that the tension to quote unquote this throne is fully democratic i am not very sure if it is uh, you know in principles uh, morally or ethically democratic because you are absolutely right if uh, let's say a huge chunk of india uh, you know it starts adhering to a religion and uh, you know society changes the laws change people decide to follow some laws not to follow other laws it's up to them it's democratic and slowly the whole structure changes but you saw what happened in shahbano judgment you saw how vote banks arise how rajiv gandhi decided to placate uh, i wouldn't say a minority but actually what is a sizable chunk of majority i mean india has 200 million muslims it is more than it's the second most populated most third most populated muslim country so once that starts to happen you can't really say that look okay jo hua wo hua now you can go to supreme court and demand justice ki why you aren't allowed to practice your religion or your practices uh, you know your sexual orientation your friends meeting drinking dancing uh, or sports all those things why you not allowed in this town you can go to supreme court and that is where i tie now abhijit to what is the what is the role of a society of a human society is it to live comfortably in the present or is it to think about the future now i i i talk about let us say kashmiri pandits what is i mean uh, am i suffering because of kashmiri pandits no i mean you know i, I can very well say that look jo hua wo hua poor fellows you know 5 lakh of them were driven out in the middle of the night and they have suffered i haven't suffered why should i care but do we like that do would people like if i make that comment then why do people sit on their asses when for 30 years the indian government has been saying exactly this you love israel abhijit do you think israel would have tolerated this that a chunk of uh, jews were driven out overnight from their own land and they have become refugees in their own land for 30 years do you think israel would have done it now you can say look uh, israel don't think 30 years ahead think for the present now you know it is all very well to say think for the present but i think uh, as uh, even the american constitution has this pursuit pursuit means that we are looking forward to the future you know that we would give uh, good education good health good benefits uh, you know to our future generations otherwise what's the point so i think in that i think you might be a little bit mistaken that i i certainly disagree with you that we should think of the present Uh, let us let us see what the future uh, uh, you know has in hold for us i think that that's that is an erroneous argument because the future if it becomes 90% let us say one religion that is very theocratic very dictatorial let us say what isil is then you can't say to yazidis hey man now the time has come it is all right you didn't think about it 30 years ago now let us do for you you know in the middle when india has become let us say isil you can't say now let us go to supreme court so we have to think of the future uh, the fourth point i think which i would like you to elaborate on which again is moving philosophically from this argument to something which this government must do because there is a solution right here you are absolutely right legally you cannot stop any ngo from spending millions of rupees in making healthcare hospitals in making schools 
which a lot of Christian missionaries are doing. I mean, we can't stop them, right? If somebody says, I want to make uh, 1,000 schools, why, why should the government stop? He's doing a good gesture. It is only slowly that you realize that that is a kind of inducement. And that is what is happening in large chunks of India. In Andhra Pradesh, if you go, the inducement is never uh, directly in your face. I mean, all those videos that you see of people, you know, their, their heads all over the place and they like swaying and swirling and all that. It's a very minority of people. Majority of the people who convert are, Abhijit, as you exactly said, they are so poor, they cannot afford anything. And they are induced not directly by saying, look, you become this, but, you know, uh, okay, your daughter will go to our hospital that we have made. Your daughter go to our school that we have made. Then slowly you start giving some money, some food or something. You never say directly. And after a month, the person himself or herself says, look, you know, this is wonderful. Let me join this thing. What do I lose out of it? So I think the two things, one thing that is keeping a huge chunk of Indians, poor Indians, uh, Dalits becoming, uh, uh, you know, changing the religion is actually the quota thing. So, and in fact, there, there, I think it is in Supreme Court, every few years, Supreme Court deliberates that should Dalits who convert, should they also keep getting the quota? Now they lose the quota. So hence we have a lot of crypto, so-called quote-unquote crypto Dalits or, you know, Dalit Christians. Incidentally, Abhijit, when you were saying that people who convert, thinking they won't be discriminated, there is awful discrimination in, yes. uh, in, within Christian folds of Dalits and non-Dalit Christians. You know, in fact, there's so many cases where Dalit Christians are not even allowed the same burial ground for their relatives, you know, uh, the dead relatives. But I would like you to concentrate and tell us more because the solution you presented is right there. If you have uh, Christian and Muslim organizations who are building hospitals, who are building healthcare centers, who are inducing this quote-unquote inducing, why can't Hindus do it? And here is the solution that you give the, you know, the control of Hindu temples, the Hindu money, billions of dollars like Tirupati and all those things back to Hindus. And they would start making all these things that Christians and Muslims are making. So I would like you to end this with this solution itself. And I know you got really angry on the thread. Please don't be angry because, uh, you know, this is out of Hindus. You, you were so angry. But here, if you were to elucidate this, I promise you, there would be people from the government who would lend an ear because I, I think this is a very important, brilliant point. And this looks at the future. Unlike what you were saying, let's look at the present. What your solution is actually looks at five years from now, 10 years from now. And you will radically change things. Okay. So uh, my issue there was I wasn't angry. It was more contempt. Because, you know, it's like what Beethoven used to say of his rivals. Uh, your masterpiece is what I fart. Uh, so, you know, it's it's that kind of a situation. So uh, it's the truth. It's the truth. So uh, you brought out the Popperian paradox. I wanted to say that I am not against planning for the future. What I'm saying is future, possible future realities can't be countered today. So if somebody is going to be a terrorist tomorrow, so this is pre-crime, you know, remember like minority report. I'm not saying don't plan for the future. I'm saying don't do pre-crime minority report kind of things. So to answer your question very specifically, uh, the death penalty for apostasy and things, tell me why is it only in India and certain law deficit countries that you worry when you commit apostasy? Do you think an apostate feels this afraid in France or in Holland or in Germany or in the UK? No. 
right because the law and uh, order there is so strong to. no abhijit i'm sorry to interrupt but they have started to yeah they have started the to why they 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 have started to why because now there are social limits on the use of police force right it's because people are saying the state should not be so powerful the state should not use its coercive powers because the state should not be violent okay but for a very long time Uh, in france you can still do it because the state is virulently secular and the state virulently defends its right to get violent when it chooses to get violent right the backlash against islam in france is uh, a, a sight to behold so we should be very clear about this because all remember these same social groups who uh, uh, tend to say you know oh police brutality police violence they will keep absolutely quiet when muslim french or muslim german or muslim british citizens throw off uh, homosexuals from uh, rooftops you know they'll just say oh, oh it's cultural relativism okay so we we need to separate these things very very carefully okay so death for apostasy becomes a problem like in india where you don't take action here every tom dick and harry mulla decides he can pass a fatwa death fatwa on xyz and the government does absolutely nothing you try doing this in france and see there is a reason french mullahs can't pass fatwas left right and center the way indian muslims can na so there's a reason to it so the answer here is law and order why was shabano why was shabano allowed to happen in india because you are a primitive polity france has 3.5 million muslims who are a very very powerful voting block in spite of that france keeps they stick true to the ideals of the french state and they don't allow you to dictate uh, uh, laws in fact the moment they the muslim community they tries to dictate laws they pass laws very uh, that go directly to disadvantage that community it is never done in writing to say that this is targeted at muslims but everybody knows it's targeted at muslims okay so again law and order is your weapon secularism is your weapon uncompromising secularism is your weapon the you raise the issue of kashmiri pandits tell me why were they driven out what was the indian state doing when they were being driven out were they given the protection that they were due were, were any of the people who were responsible for uh, uh, <coughs> that uh, uh, ethnocide ever arrested i can show you all the mullahs i uh, uh, those mullahs are still alive their kids are still alive they are squatting on uh, illegally seized kashmiri pandit land what is the state that and even after the abrogation of 370 what is the state done i think we are conflating two different things the lack of law and order with a clear and existent situation of western law and order with a new woke opposition to law and order for their own purposes usually they have found islamists as a very convenient intersectional ally in that fight okay so these are three different phenomenons that we need to uh, uh, separate and that is why the backlash against wokeism isn't it curious that france which opposes wokeism also opposes islamism because that is the true ideal of a state what a state should be next so i'm not saying i'm not creating this binary between present and future my present future binary was strictly in terms to crime and pre crime which is a completely different jurisprudence i'm not saying don't plan for the future the second thing about planning for the future is that you don't uh, you can't say private conversions are banned what you do is you create the ecosystem if they are spending money you outspend them 
you come up with cancer hospitals for the poor you come up with what sai baba does in uh, shirdi for example uh, or puttaparthi they have a free hospital it is top notch you go there now if everybody if all all the temple funds tirupati accounts for a majority of the uh, andhra government's uh, state funds okay uh, you take that away from the state and give it to hindu trust to do this kind of charitable work for hindus only what is preventing you from doing that you create the ecosystem see it's it's taking away from this uh, from the entire fact that you have been deprived of resources and resources that are meant to be used for hindus are now being used by the ysr government to fund pilgrimages to uh, israel and jerusalem for christians right uh, so that that's number 2 number 3 schools why do hindus why does the majority community have to pass through so many hoops to set up a school whereas for christians and muslims and all minorities it's default if no objection certificate uh, uh, if nobody has an objection it is deemed to have been granted they don't have to pass through any hoops and they can set up schools you're literally saying hindus cannot build schools and so you've ceded the advantage to the minorities out there so i am also thinking of the future it's just that my approach to it is not in terms of suppressing individual rights it's in terms of empowering the community to set up these schools and when you set up schools a you can have a religious school which must be only for christians or only for muslims it must not be open to anybody else in which case you you can teach your religions and things like that or if it is open to everybody else there must be no iota of religion visible in it it can't be called saint stephens you can't have a, a priest teach out there you can't have a religious mass out there you can't have any kind of religious lessons or iconography out there it has to be carried out in a purely secular environment okay so i would say that this kind of non discriminatory societal measures are far more sustainable far more long term and far better because remember an anti conversion law will be used against you at a later date when say this country becomes a 90% uh, majority of some other religion anybody who does not want to adhere to that religion and convert out they will use the exact same anti conversion law against you right so you have to think in terms of future jurisprudence and things like that so the society, so the answer lies in traditional western law and order not modern woke infected law and order and b in terms of empowering hindus as a society and as a community and allowing them to do all the things where you have artificially suppressed them from doing it okay ec- excellent and now abhijit just three three counters not really counters but i in fact i agree with you but i just want to say that the point that you have you've made in point essentially it quote unquote reforms reforms that you want the government to undertake one reform is about giving uh, back to hindus no, 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 what belongs no, no, no. to no no i'm not no no sorry anand anand i am not yeah. talking about reforms i am saying go back to status quo ante these were not reforms nationalization okay. is socialism okay right. i am all i'm asking for is privatization of something that you had no bloody right to take away from i am asking Correct. for reparations for crimes against yeah. hindus by the government of absolutely. india absolutely and there you are also right is that when you correctly say that it will redress the balance it will allow allow hindus to make if not as many maybe more uh, 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 you know schools and hospitals and do a lot of charity work that right now people who are interested in converting are doing you are also looking forward you are absolutely right in that 
But here is my counter to that, which is that for 70 years, the Indian state hasn't done it. And I can bet you, this government is not going to do it. In fact, yes. in Uttarakhand, it is taking more control of the temples. So what will happen? It's all very well to say, look, this must happen. If for the next 30 years, it doesn't happen. And because it doesn't happen, the other thing keeps on happening. And because the other thing keeps on happening, you find situations where 5 lakh Hindus have to be ethnically cleansed from states. So do you not want to think about that future in case the, your solution is not implemented? So that was point number one. Point number two was when you talked about there is some, there are, there is a kind of a gradient as far as tolerance is concerned in Muslim countries. I, I mean, I beg to differ. You may be right perfunctorily, but I think you can't be a little bit pregnant. I mean, if you look at atheists, there are 13 Middle Eastern countries where atheism carries a punishment of death. Uh, uh, homosexuality, out of 27 Islamic countries, 26, they carry punishment of death. Only Bahrain, uh, uh, you know, the homosexuals uh, are not uh, punished by death. So, and all it takes is somebody like Zia to come or somebody to come and in the case of uh, Iran Khomeini to hark back to, you know, what was the golden period and what was, what has been, uh, you know, said by Allah. So here, you know, when you go back to the fundamentals, no Muslim can dare, uh, you know, uh, come up against you and say, look, this is not right because then by definition that person is not Muslim. So within a matter of a, a click of a finger, you can go back to quote-unquote like what Iran did, you know, from a progressive state to a theocratic one. So these are the two points I'd like you to address. One is, it's all very well. You are correctly saying that, in fact, you have a brilliant solution. But the problem, the dichotomy is that Indian state, there is a very high chance, including BJP or Congress, whoever comes, will not, will simply ignore your solution. So we are back to square one in a scenario where poor Hindus, they cannot give any inducement, quote-unquote inducement, whereas the people of other religions are. And as a result, the town, the cities, the states, they start becoming more and more, uh, you know, let's say, let's let's be very honest about it, anti-Hindu. Right. So, see, uh, the thing here is that the Indian state hasn't done it for 70 years is exactly why we need to build social awareness of where the crux of the problem lies. Okay, and if you notice in that thread that I did, I very clearly said that the right wing's intellect is so low, their ability for social introspection and their knowledge of sociology and history is so pathetic. They are more focused on was uh, uh, the Pushpaka Vimana actually the Boeing 787 or the Airbus A350 rather than treating it as, you know, some kind of a, a, a moral lesson kind of thing. <coughs> now, uh, there are actually studies, uh, people actually uh, fund these kind of studies to show that they could fly in 4000 BC. Uh, so I am not going there. Okay. Uh, my point was to highlight that the fact that the so-called alleged Hindu party, like you very correctly pointed out, has spent more on Muslims than the INC ever has, has incentivized right. Muslims more than the INC ever has. And they are not, let us for God's sake, stop calling them a, the, uh, a Hindu party. At best, they are a, uh, 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 you know, uh, party, bhonkna janta party, bhonkte rehte hai, aur kuch karte hai So I, I don't expect anything from the BJP. I expect it from Hindus. I want to create that kernel of social awakening in the Hindus 
where they actively start punishing the BJP for not returning the means of uh, uh, preventing conversion uh, 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 back to Hindus. Number one. Number two, you say, what might one man, uh, you know, what might happen if a Hitler or a Khomeini comes? The problem with that is a Hitler or Khomeini can come in any religion, Anand, including in India. Okay, including in India, you can have that one person. Nobody expected to see a Hitler in Germany. It happened. And, you know, uh, Jews were some of the most uh, early vocal supporters of Hitler. Very surprisingly enough, you know, the fellow who gave him his first art commission was a Jew because he saw a promising young man. So you, you can't base you base it on the fact that one day a Khomeini or a Hitler or an Idi Amin might come. The problem beco becomes that you impose so many checks and balances on the government that the government becomes completely non-functional. Classic example is Italy. They never wanted to see anything like the fascist party ever come to power again. And so they deliberately made it impossible for any party to ever get a majority in parliament, which is why Italy has never now, had yeah, a functional government in the last 70 years. Right. So absolutely. That, Abhijit, now, uh, before I forget, this excellent, excellent point you made. I want to make two interjections very quickly. Number one, I think what you say has to be paid heed to by the politicians, especially belonging to the NDA. Because what you're saying is, if changes are not made, if Hindus like the Christians and the Muslims and the Sikhs, if Hindus are not given control of the money that they earn from their land, from their temples, from their disciples, from their people who are in their fold, then Hinduism actually, actually would die off in 50 years. That is what you're trying to say. And I, I believe you. But I've said that. I have said yeah. that. I'm telling you, thanks to what was enacted in 1947, the taking away, the if Hindus become extinct, and I believe we will become a minority religion in about 50 years, it will be because of the taking away of temples and temple revenues and temple lands and shameless encroachment and seizure of temple lands by, <coughs> excuse me, by the government. Uh, either directly or through allowing other people to encroach on temple lands. Okay. Uh, and BJP, I have no faith in them. Okay, I need to uh, raise a few points here because I want to start taking the questions of the audiences also. Look, from sure, what I've understood... Sure. Yeah. See, this is a problem. So now both of you have to address it. Okay, I get it. The from the point of view of Karl Popper's paradox of tolerance or intolerance, whatever you want to call it, that how long do you tolerate the intolerant? That is fine. But the point is sometimes Popper is used as a straw man. I think you can always create, you know, it's it's almost like, oh, what if a meteor strikes me? How do I live my life? Like I I I think Michael Shermer used the best example. He calls it the Al uh, Alvi's error, right? So there's this kid in a movie and he goes and says to his mother, the universe is expanding. I don't know what I'm gonna do. What's the point of everything? But the mother says, Well, who cares if the universe is expanding? You're here in Brooklyn right now. Deal about Brooklyn, talk about Brooklyn. That's the Alvi's error, and I think, and that's a very valid point. And many times people make the Alvi's error and use Popper's paradox and make it about everything. But what if this comes? What if that comes? 
also no no okay. I, i i i humbly i i humbly disagree little bit while you write about your your razor and the error you look at the time frame you see we are not saying the universe is expanding and you're in brooklyn as a period of like i don't know billions of years what we are saying is has a direct impact on our next or maybe the second next generation in 50 years you are changing the complexion of a huge swathe of india you can't say no okay let me give a very pertinent example in 2003 we had epidemic right and a lot of people including some of my colleagues started making vaccines against sars one what happened sars disappeared and government funding stopped and the vaccinations that were midway they were stopped there were no trials we had that vaccine sars one vaccine people thought that sars one vaccine would have been at least in the initial first year when sars two struck it would have saved countless lives because the rbd because the spike protein is almost identical and if you had that as a vaccine candidate then sars 1 and sars 2 were almost the same spike protein but we didn't we didn't even look 15 years ahead so you can't the time frame is very important you can't you can't put bunch everything into one something that is 5000 years away versus something that is 10 or 50 years away it's, sorry sorry for interrupting right. nay agree I, i just want to add to what anand said see in policy terms when you look at it uh, the definition of long term policy is 30 years uh if you look at it from a sociological perspective you can go up to about 50 years the solutions i am giving you solve both the immediate problem and the upcoming future problem okay which is a empowering hindus b uh, uh restricting the avenues of fraudulent or unwanted uh pollination of uh, religion cross pollination of religion and three looking after the uh, uh uh issue of forced conversions or religious coercion through law and order so remember all the solutions i've given you get your law and order in uh, 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 and by law and order we mean both the police and the judiciary in order as well as uh, 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 uh separation of uh, uh, church and state as well as the uh, uh, empowerment of hindu society through the liberation of temples and their funds uh, and making them tax free like every other religion has is both a near term solution meant for today as well as meant it will have much more uh, knockdown effects in 50 60 years time right it will actually the solution to the current problem and the future problem is the same those same three solutions i've given you so it is not a paradox and it is not a dichotomy at all all right another problem yeah, that i absolutely. foresee is uh, another problem that i foresee is okay you have a anti conversion law now i want to put it on record neither has anand made this point nor is abhijit making this point so this is not about what anand and abhijit are saying but i hear this point all the time you have to ban conversions completely some people have made the point that you can allow conversions into hinduism but not out of hinduism now so here's my question people may not want to agree to it but casteism is a reality in india especially in the hindu fold i'm not saying it is not there in the muslim fold i mean we all know what pashmanda muslims are i have tried to right. highlight the plight of pashmanda muslims as much as possible on this podcast the point is here is a scenario where somebody of a particular sc st community is literally tortured in this country and if these people had their way 
they would have a law where you cannot convert out of hinduism you can only come into hinduism bhai wo aadmi ki to zindagi thuk gayi wo to baitha raha wo see abhijit made a very important point that these things are fine when you have upward mobility in society what if people stop upward mobility iska matlab bas hum baith ke apna junjuna bajate rahe how do you deal with that then anand yeah no absolute and as i said in fact i touched on this uh... also kushal because in fact as i say that fundamentally all three of us are on the same page we one cannot be against conversion uh, because if somebody willfully with all the knowledge wants to convert how can i stop because if i give you the example when i myself want to preach and say how bad religion is please leave religion and uh, you know become an atheist right uh, uh, how can i stop somebody from saying no no atheism is wrong and you please uh, uh, you know become religion or join my religion or join some other religion so fundamentally i am with that uh, you know that conversion uh, is legal it should not be stopped now the point that you have made is and I, in fact i touched on it i took the example of uh, uh, dr ambedkar and and i also said that many of the things ills that were there are still there are still prevalent so if somebody wants to feel or somebody says that look i am being humiliated even now a century after all those laws after scst act has been after a more draconian version of that is passed i still am discriminated against i still have to dig my well okay 40 feet to get water i cannot i still have to i am still ostracized i am not allowed to do this do to do, do that uh, you know why shouldn't i change so there are two things there i would say one is that of course i cannot stop you that is your decision but please remember what ambedkar said about if you are changing changing to islam or christianity because they will also treat you almost in the same manner as the fold of religion that you have left there is ample evidence of that right. there is no doubt about right. it number 2 and half the discriminations that we see now that are reported are actually muslims against dalits which these people jaibheem jaimeem types deliberately do not bring to the fore because you know their whole propaganda would be destroyed you have muslims beating dalits for wearing पठान सूट यू हैव मुस्लिम ऑस्ट्रोसाइजिंग दलित बार्बर्स विल नॉट कट देर हेयर हंड्रेड्स ऑफ दीज थिंग्स इन मुस्लिम विलेजेस सो प्लीज बी अवेयर दैट डिस्क्रिमिनेशन एग्जिस्ट बिकॉज ऑफ ऑल रिलीजन्स इन ऑल फोर्स हाउ डू यू लीव दैट एज आई सेट इन द बिगिनिंग वॉट एम्यूज मी इज दैट अ पर्सन वुड क्विट अ रिलीजन टू जॉइन अनदर रिलीजन राह देन जस्ट क्विट रिलीजन आनंद आनंद आई हैव टू कम हियर सो ठीक है I mean, Anand, that is I went to Nagpur and I saw the place where Dr. Ambedkar converted to Buddhism. You know, most of the people who were visiting, thousands were visiting. All of them were Hindus. Here is a religion where you are. Your podcast is called Charva Post Podcast. Yeah, you are a Hindu and you are an atheist. As a concert religion, as a concert, log hain jo ki convert karke Dr. Ambedkar, lekin phir bhi unke wahan pe jaake unko pooj rahe. So. if somebody is stopping you from becoming an atheist uh, you were a hindu first i think that is completely wrong absolutely wrong because atheism exists within hinduism you just said you're a charvak right 
no but see in? this is not the point uh, yeah go ahead abhijit tu pehle bol okay so see here's the thing this is another reason because if you ban conversion uh what happens if i decide i am an atheist and i want to leave the religion or what if my i genuinely believe uh that buddhism being an agnostic that buddhism is the path for me okay if you ban conversion it has to apply equally to all religions and all kind of conversion otherwise make it specific in which case you are doing exactly what the christians did declaring paganism alone persecuted you have to declare only christianity and islam as being non convertible faiths agree conversion agree between other things i don't know and that will not that will not stand any legal test anywhere in the world right except abhi when you when you become an atheist right. you don't convert to atheism right you leave a religion so i'm not very sure well, about the definition but here tell me but, but but remember again all it requires is a khomeini style judge to say that you may claim that charvaka is another uh uh this thing another uh, example of uh, 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 another school of hinduism i disagree you remember what that uh, good for nothing judge uh, what's his name gogoi said to me in the supreme court na you deserve to be in jail that was his interpretation of freedom mm. of speech so remember like khomeini yeah. you also have gogoi type judges crooks theek hai uh, uh, so uh, there's nothing you can do about that second discrimination is a reality this is the reason communism couldn't take off in india because when they bought a uh, class distinction into india it didn't overlap with caste and neither christians nor muslims have been able to get rid of caste uh, you know it's not even a matter of scholarly interpretation you go through the matrimonial of uh, christians and muslims in the times of india or hindustan times or anything like, like that you see they're openly talking about caste 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 or uh, uh, north indian something south indian something they only want to marry within that same community caste and things like that it is a reality the issue that is why i said don't focus on the discrimination angle focus on the why are people converting in spite of knowing all of this it is because of the ecosystem and the societal protection that you are given because he I may discriminate against you so, one second one second anand let so me brilliant. it is i have it is a train of thought anand 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 yeah yeah sorry sorry please continue Uh, it's sorry i it's my train of thought uh, so what happens is this is why you have to see it as the ecosystem because remember the same uh, so called upper caste muslim persecuting the lower caste muslim if that lower caste muslim pay if any hindu tries to come and reconvert him you think what is going to happen to the hindu okay they will all band together as a community to protect that guy so this is a completely different thing this is why i said look at it as shifting from ecosystem to ecosystem and it's not entirely it's a it, it's a complex mix it's no one reason that they convert for second uh the kind of discrimination the way you overcome it because most of this discrimination the actual physical discrimination it exists in rural and pre-industrial agrarian uh societies once you urbanize and industrialize the avenues for that discrimination come down only to marriage which is the matrimonial column discrimination that you see even in urban india and this is a i don't even have to explain this because i think everybody understands the effects of industrialization and the kind of homogenizing effect it has on people third reservations remember reservations the basis of reservations was the entire pie would keep expanding the economy would keep expanding and the quality of life would keep expanding that hasn't happened because you know socialism is like a drug dealer he depends on you to get addicted to the cocaine or heroin of government handouts and so it functions like drug dealer 
and sadly that is what this government is doing it's so uh, i mean this government is to the left of sitaram yachuri so technically it's a <laughs> drug dealer in town okay so uh, so uh, uh, capitalism empowers this is why you need to encourage small medium sectors so that they can build up their own wealth and things like that so it is always remember all these solutions are based not on social stasis or social collapse the basic the centris paribus like of any economic law is that there will be economic emancipation through industrialization yeah i was just about to sorry for interrupting you abhijit but i was just about to say that why i love your idea of uh, uh, you know of linking the control of hindu temples to to this the issue of conversion is because it is competitive it is darwinian it is each to his own you know what muslims are doing what christians are doing let the hindus do and then let us see it's a free for all that is truly truly faith being in a marketplace that is that is what i meant right now it is a skewed picture and i am i am afraid exactly. i don't Exactly. You nailed it, so, Anand. That is what I wanted to say. A competitive marketplace, and what you need the government to do is be the regulatory mechanism. Uh, yes. A monopoly, monopolistic and restrictive practices commission. Yes. Okay. So, so, so from what I have understood, look, this is what my my takeaway is, and I'm going to take now uh, take the questions of the live viewers now. Look. i get what anand uh, is saying i get what abhijit is saying anand your scenario works as i typed in the private chat actually very well in the current legal understanding of what a hindu is in indian law the current legal definition of a hindu is a negation a one who is not muslim christian and parsi is a hindu currently in indian law kyunki huf ke benefits anand jaise sabko pata hai jaino ko bhi milte hain buddhist ko bhi milte hain sardaron ko bhi milte hain so actually Anand, what you're saying can work very. But Anand, मुझे डर क्या लगता है माल में? If India goes into this uh, again, I want to place as many caveats as possible. I'm not saying it will become that. But if India is a so-called theocratic Hindu state, and it becomes a trad state, then it's gone. Because the negative definition of what a Hindu is is fine. But if you try to make a positive definition legally, then all the problems that Abhijit and I have envisaged and raised, Anand, become a reality. which is where we have to push and make it very clear that we want the legal definition of a hindu to be what it stands as per indian law currently right yes i two things here you absolutely right i think what the government uh, you know all those states who are going to promulgate the anti conversion law based on what maybe they are going to quote mahatma gandhi what i quoted yesterday as inspiration to the <laughs> congress congress se kahenge acha bolo secretize mahatma gandhi now you know but uh, that that's that's convenient but i think if they are going to do it they are probably as abhijit said very of uh, sikhism and uh, buddhism and jainism they probably going to say indic indic stream versus non indic stream but that also is a problem and that is going to create a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, fault lines etc so um, i think the best solution in the end is abhijit's but i i am very pessimistic i don't think this government or any other government is going to give the temples and the temple money uh, and the control back to hindus so we are going to be back to square one india is going to uh, you know wallow in exactly what it has been doing for the last 50 60 years there is going to be deep division deep polarization based on stringent religious lines i mean you know we talk about islam and muslims all the time 
we don't talk about what is happening in the northeast what has happened in nagaland what is happening in mizoram you know and what i talk about uh, what abhijit said christianity and christians are very progressive in the west but if you look at all the countries where which have converted to these folds philippines for example i mean they rejected even pope they saying no we, we are not going to use the condoms so you know then it becomes impossible even for the missionary to say are bhai galti ho gayi main aapke land mein aa gaya aap to kuch zyada hi wo ho gaye so these things are happening in india as we speak so if we do not put a level playing field what abhijit has suggested and have a free for free marketplace and competition as it should be and uh, you know say conversion is legal but now hindus also have a uh, you know uh, an equal playing field i don't see uh, uh, you know the scenario changing in fact it is going to go much worse i get it and i agree with you and abhijit when you say that the key uh, abhijit you are muted buddy sorry just to add to what adan said you know we need to make this distinction between first world christianity and third world christianity first world christianity your priest is kind of like a free shrink that you go to i'm feeling a bit depressed padre give me some advice correct in the third world i mean he brings up philippines but you look at africa all the anti homosexual pogroms the butchering of albinos and things like that are read by christian pastors and preachers and things like that extraordinarily violent uh, isil levels of violence out there religious inspired violence this is something very unique to abrahamic faiths okay uh, and we need to recognize that okay chalo now let us uh, take questions this is actually a very good question something both of you will understand and appreciate because all of us are free speech guys so anand sridhar has said and this is i think both of you should take it the real issue is not just conversion it's about we having the right to reply or criticize other faiths if it's a free marketplace of ideas then why is criticism of religion labeled bigotry in india i don't you think conversion ki sabse badi problem anand or uh, abhijit uh, you start first anand will come back uh, is that in a country like india we don't allow criticism of faiths yeah and and you know why that is right because our laws are essentially colonial they were meant to reduce the burden of law keeping on the state because it was an extractive british law that wanted to spend the least possible amount on law and order so it so law and order was made the individual responsibility so if you create trouble it doesn't matter what we claim your rights are if the cost to the state is so too great then you will be the one to be punished that colonial mentality still hasn't gone from the law and neither have you expanded nor have you improved legal thinking because you don't understand the first principles of the law this government particularly not uh, because you know they have an extremely at uh, the average education level of the cabinet is quite low but uh, uh, in general uh, indian legal thinking is almost obsolete tell me one indian legal precedent that gets cited in uh, international uh, courts and arbitration zero zero right whereas they will take pick examples from russia or germany or france even russia uh, france germany spain america and things like that number one number two uh, in this whole thing is you just don't have police we have one of the lowest police to human ratios out here that needs to be increased so that's a very important part of your law and order so you know you have to create that environment 
wherein the state is enabled to protect your individual. That is a state expense. The state has to spend money to protect that. And that is why these laws about outraging religion or religious sentiment have to go. And Hindus don't seem to realize that it, it actually is in your favor. This is what amuses me about modern day Hindus, that they don't want to progress. They want to regress. And for them, ISIS is the paragon of virtue that is to be emulated. Uh, Uttama Purusha is actually Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. No, no, I, I, I disagree with that. I'm, I'm sorry, I could not hear the question. I had to log in again. There was some, uh, there was some problem. But uh, I disagree with uh, Abhijit here when he says that Hindus are getting... I think the, the reaction of Hindus, Abhijit, is always, always of one of rebuttal, of being defensive, of being caught Yeah, up. they're always on the back so, foot. And the reason for that is that they're fed up of hypocrisy. You see, when, when they are saying, Anand, 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 fed up money, kya? If you're so fed no, up, no, let, let me see. So, no, one second. No, no, one second. So, what they're saying is, see, no Hindu has minded people mocking Ram, Krishna for 50, 60, 70 years. In fact, the religion itself mocks, okay, for thousands of years. So, yes. it is beyond doubt that Hindus don't mind. But when they see, ki baki religion ko ekdam chup karke rakha hai. Hollywood may, uh, sorry, Bollywood may, okay, as um, uh, Swati and uh, Agnivir says, Urdu would. There is, a, there is a sense to that. The point is, they think, why Hindus So, this hypocrisy is what, you know, infuriates Hindus. And it infuriates me as well. I mean, I'm not a religious person. But when I see all the stand-up comics, you know, always making fun of Ram, always making fun of, uh, you know, Hindu gods and, you know, giving a complete free pass to Islam and Christianity and other religions. I, I also feel incensed. In fact, I said on Twitter, ki ye sab karna karo. you know, Hindus are uh, very relaxed in this sense. Lekin ek disclaimer laga lo, ki haan, hume, you know, Islam ke baare mein kehne mein hamari fatti hai. Bas ye laga lo. Hindus will be happy, believe me. Okay, eight minute. Anand, so this question is for you. This is actually something that you raised in your opening comments. Uh, it's actually a good question. Uh, let me read this. Yeah. So Anand, somebody has asked you, Anand, is religion dangerous or is dogma dangerous? I And then they say in a bracket, I ask this because political dogma has been very violent too historically. So the what they're saying is, don't you need to be more specific? Okay, uh, well, political dogma, I, I think possibly you mean communism, which I, I, I also feel is a kind of a religion. Uh, you know, anything that is a diktat, that, that, that is said on the basis to make you fearful, to make you lead a life that I have decided is being social Darwinian in one aspect, is what I am against. So uh, I, I think and that encompasses all religions. Having said that, let me tell you that there are some religions that are also on the path to reform. There is no doubt about it. And unfortunately, Islam is not one of them because reform is forbidden. If you read the Quran, you would very well realize it, that there are ample verses that say that, you know, nothing is to be changed. Everything is inviolable. So you cannot reform Islam. Islam, in fact, somebody, uh, uh, one Muslim, uh, Shia Muslim, uh, uh, a scholar said that some verses should be removed and immediately next day there was a huge uproar as you remember two months ago 
कि इसको मारो ये करो वो करो सो बट इफ यू सी क्रिश्चियनिटी इफ यू सी हिंदू ना हिंदुइज्म पर्टिकुलरली बिकॉज आई बिलीव इन हिंदुइज्म रिलीजन इज एन ऑफ शूट ऑफ अ वे ऑफ लाइफ वेर आर इन इस्लाम वे ऑफ लाइफ इज एन ऑफ शूट ऑफ रिलीजन सो यू नो विच इज मोर म्यूटेटेबल विच इज मोर एमिनेबल टू रिफॉर्म ऑब्वियसली वे ऑफ लाइफ so if way of life because you find mistakes societies change so way of lives also change uh, slowly you you tend to see that look the religion aspect of hinduism is also changing and the the proof of the pudding is in the eating of all the religions that were to be reformed by quote unquote by code bill why is it that nehru succeeded only in reforming the bringing the hindu code bill muslim code bill kahan gaya bhai you know so hinduism is changing is reforming of course the pace is too slow for my liking but that's that's all right but that's uh, other than what the question was i hope i huh? answered that okay abhijit this one is for you so uh, chetan pai has asked if israel can have an anti conversion law to prevent evangelical conversions why can't we i think chetan does not know that the anti conversion law in israel is exactly like the anti conversion law in india it is only against conversion from financial allurement and fraud but still i want you to answer it but see here's the issue your financial inducement what is financial inducement why can't i buy your religion if there's a fellow who's in deep debt okay his wife has cancer she is in hospital and this guy says look i'll give you 5 lakh rupees for the curing of your wife what is it to you my point is if somebody is in need for money and you're so worried about his religion Why should the state take on the burden of your private concern? तुम अपने बीबी से पांच लाख निकाल के उसको दो ना तुम नहीं करना चाहते हो तुम अपने पॉकेट से एक भी फूटी कौड़ी नहीं देना चाहते हो बट स्टेट शुड लेजिस्लेट टू हर्ट टू प्रोटेक्ट योर एक ही ब्रेकी लिटिल हार्ट एंड योर सेंटिमेंट खुद निकाल के पैसे देना एंड देन वी हैव टू स्पेंड लैक्स ऑफ पब्लिक मनी ऑन द प्रोसिक्यूशन एंड थिंग्स लाइक दैट ना बस तेरा पैसा कुछ ये नहीं होना चाहिए सो वॉट इज इट यू इट्स हिज मनी ही कैन स्पेंड इट हाउर ही वॉन्ट्स इफ आई वॉन्ट टू गो टू स्ट्रिप बार एंड पे स्ट्रिपर वॉट इज योर प्रॉब्लम इन लाइफ यार मैं राजी वो राजी तेरा क्या सो आई एम सॉरी आई डोंट अग्री विद दिस लॉजिक एट ऑल एंड रिमेम्बर इसराइल इज फॉर्म्ड इसराइल इज फॉर्म्ड एज अ रिलीजियस स्टेट इंडिया इज नॉट uh anand this one is for you actually this is about the point abhijit had raised but uh, and you have said that his point is good so shreyans patel asked don't you think if we free hindu temples due to the, because of our inherent caste structure our uh, of our society in many cases the money will go into the hands of one community and they will discriminate in those temples anand yaar dekho aisa hai ki at the at the end of the day if you give freedom you have to leave it uh, to as as in in chemistry you have this you know energy minimum you have you have to give that much independence to people ab wo bhi aap dictate karoge to fir har jagah state control aa gaya then it's a nanny state now what would happen let us say the best case scenario and the worst case scenario you give control back to hindus the best case scenario is that they are loaded with the funds that were otherwise going to the government and government was you know wasting it on i don't know god knows what governments waste it on so now you have thousands of schools thousands of hospitals and charities that you know what sai baba is doing 
Hindu temples would start doing what Tirupati is doing in uh, in, a, in some measure, they would multiply it maybe hundredfold. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is what you say that it will now go into the hands of people who would exploit it. What would happen then? Then Christian missionaries and Islamic missionaries would would be preferred. Now, but the point is, it would still be a level playing field. Now, when you have a competition, there are winners and there are losers. All I'm asking for is not to dictate who should win or who should lose, but that there should be a level playing field and there should be a competition. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, Abhijit, this one is for you from Chetan. Chetan says, Abhijit, we have seen how certain NGOs uh, train uh, communities inside Christians and Muslims, and uh, they interfere in the bureaucracy where state resources are used to incentivize conversion. What defense do Hindus have considering that it already happens in such a major way in India? I mean, I guess what they're trying to say is, if you have temples free, but if you have systems they are so deeply rooted in your society what could be the possible because this actually does matter to so the this is where conversion debate it's it's it does so, so here's the issue this is where you need to enact an absolute separation of state and church what YSR is doing funding uh, uh, this uh, pilgrimages to the Holy Land has to be stopped what uh, 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 the government was doing, subsidizing Hajj for so long. No other Muslim countries don't subsidize Hajj. Only India subsidizes Hajj. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, you need to stop the state subsidy. Providing security to the Amarnath Yatra is different from subsidizing. Right. Providing security to the Kumbh Mela is different from subsidizing it. Okay, subsidizing is where you're paying money for uh, uh, defraying the transport expenses, the food expenses, and the lodge and rent expenses. Security is you set up all the tents. We are not setting up any tents. We are just doing the uh, public congregation. Now, public congregation control is the duty of every government. So that is the kind you people don't seem to get. It is the separation of church and state that will benefit Hindus the most. It is the jurisprudence enforcing that separation of church and state that will go against people like that YSR fellow. Hmm. Anand, uh, I think this somebody has uh, asked, this is Reem. I think he has just heard your comment on the comics. Again, it is relevant to the discussion. That's why I'm raising it again. So Reem says, Anand, you want comics to mock other <coughs> religions. But then the issue is not hypocrisy. It's because of blasphemy laws in India. Uh, like 295A, etc., that prevent them from doing it. But then I'm not satisfied with this, Swanand. So I'm going to be on your side because blasphemy laws apply in the case of Hinduism too. So equally use Koro, Hinduism ko bhi criticize nahi karne do, right, Anand? Correct. So, and that is what the Hindus feel. And in fact, that was the argument that was brought by Rahul Roshan. And yes. I do agree with it to some point because it incensed me. I mean, the fact is that, uh, and Kushal, you and I have had a lot of disagreements with our good friend Rahul over this because yeah, both no. of us are vehemently against this offending religious sensibility law, yes, right? Yes. But the fact is, Rahul also has a point that did this law, did this law prevent the killing of Ilmuddin? Did this law, when this law did not exist, Rangira, Rangila Rasul was before this law was brought. In fact, this law was brought because Mahatma As Gandhi a response said, to Rangila Rasul. Exactly, exactly. So when you have written in your scriptures, what is the punishment for blasphemy? 
लॉ का तो कुछ पीपल आर प्राउड टू असैसिनेट यार इलमुद्दीन ने कहा था आई एम प्राउड और उसका कॉफिन कौन लेके गया था इकबाल उसका केस किसने लड़ा था जिना सो so, जब आपकी पूरी कॉम चाहती है कि पनिशमेंट फॉर ब्लास्फोमी शुड बी असैसिनेशन आप कौन से लॉ की बात कर रहे हैं तो व्हाट हिंदू से मतलब तुम्हें सारी कमियां सिर्फ मजाक सारा हिंदू के गॉड्स पे ही करते हो कभी जरा वहां पे जरा उठा के देखो दम है कि नहीं है सो इट इज दिपोक्रेसी दैट इन सेंस पीपल नथिंग एल्स एग्जैक्टली विच इज वाई आई एम से that it is actually our definition more than rahul roshans that is valid which is you need to get rid of the blasphemy laws and allow equal blasphemy because hindus don't get offended by blasphemy only one yeah. community in this country reacts particularly violent to violently to blasphemy so see what france is doing when that school teacher was killed they started uh, putting up those cartoons on every public building Yes, but uh, Abhijit, what them. would happen is that to, is I what mean, we I need to be doing. In fact, I I said this much, and the, some leftist guy who had uh, you know kind of sneaked into a conference completely misinterpreted me, and said that look, I am no longer for free speech, but they are leftists, so you don't expect any intelligence from them. But the point is, Rahul also has a point that a- according to all three of us, when this law should be abrogated, offending religious sensibilities, what would happen is Hindus would start. uh okay muslims uh, would start uh, with gay abandon uh, ridiculing hindu gods which they have been doing even now but the point is when hindus start to do the same and there is no law they would be killed in their hundreds what do you do then uh anand That honestly i disagree with this the then, rule of law law and order more police This is what I keep emphasizing. Are, more police. Are you saying? Are you saying that more? Are you saying that more police would help in Bengal right now? Is my limited yes. question to you? Yes. Really? Yes. You know, yes. it is yes. who is controlling. Yes. It is who is controlling you know more police. No, no, no. Not. See, when you say police reforms, it is not just police reforms as an entire gamut. It is separating the control of. See, it is also the division of. detection and law and order maintenance and law and order maintenance becomes then and that is why it is law and order you are also fixing the judiciary in this so it yeah, separates but, uh, so you tell I, I me you, i agree with you that we need more police but we need less control of politicians over them otherwise having which more police comes, would which, which make comes through the law uh, which, which yeah, comes through the judiciary which Correct. comes through the judiciary Correct. which is a part that the judiciary does not want to exercise or they exercise as and when they want unke bande ke liye they will come they, they will have a hearing at 12 o'clock at night at the judge's house for arnab goswami yeah. you come tomorrow day after whatever in fact what i would say is uh, after the bengal elections thank god thank god we didn't have more police in bengal it would have left led to at least 10 times more incidents of violence because police no, the issue uh, there was the police ran away and they were sat, sitting by and doing nothing in which case if you have a proper this is why i'm saying police and law and order reforms if you have that you also end up penalizing crimes of omission hmm. policemen and commissioners and things like that who sat and allowed riots to happen get severely punished they are held responsible for what happens understand law and order and police reforms is a whole set of reforms it is absolutely. not a one point agenda absolutely and and, and in uh, this case I, I, in this case there is a very clear cut reason for you to be sacking 
loads of Bengal policemen and their police commissioner and things like that. Anand, uh, I'll just add a point because I have to ask a couple of questions sure. because most of the things are comments, less questions. But see, Anand, there are two, three, I think, wrong a priori assumptions. It's A, that if the law and order fails, uh, I don't want this to happen, but I'm just stating it for the record. The a priori assumption is that Hindus will never respond. Hindu return. State fail hoti hai. And uh, I think people often confuse Bengal mein violence is not religious, it is absolutely political. Political is cases mein Hindu hi Hindu ko dhote hai politically. So there shades of violence. Politics may be followed. Hindu stood by and allowed Muslim Hindu TMC workers stood by to allow Muslim TMC workers to rape Bengali women. So there was so, a clear case, Hindus also, so it was political. There may have been a religious shade to it, but it was fundamentally political. Yeah. Or second point, Anna, look, look at the history of democracies. Democracies only become stable, like Abhijit said, when you have police reforms, judicial reforms, other reforms simultaneously happening. And then there are these mavericks in society like, I'll give you an example. See, a lot of people keep talking about Brandenburg versus Ohio. But let me take you back barely 50-55 years ago when George Carlin said the famous seven words. And I don't need to repeat the seven words. George Carlin was picked up by the police. But what did George Carlin do at that time? He pushed the envelope of society. You need... See, this is a simultaneous process. Uh, you cannot be in a situation where say, itne police aise judge aisa law aisa behavioral pattern sab kuch ho gaya. Okay, comedian bhoko. It, everything happens simultaneously. There will be casualties in the process. But just because uh, there is an asymmetry in violent tendencies in one side means that we will be in the Baba, you criticism of religion. Then there situation change. Quran fundamentally will never be banned. They just need to read the Quran. क्या करोगे वो कुरान में ही सारी प्रॉब्लम है यार उसको तो नहीं बैन कर सकते ना उसके तभी क्या करेंगे आनंद हम लोग भाई सो वेयर इज द डिसएग्रीमेंट आई एम एग्रीइंग विद यू एंड एज यू नो ट्विटर बैंड मी फॉर 14 डेज बिकॉज़ दे थॉट द एग्जैक्ट वर्ड्स दैट आई हैड कोटेड व्हाट वाज हेट स्पीच व्हाट मोर कैन आई से बाद में उनका बैंड बजा यू नो दे मस्ट बी वरीड कि भाई मिलियंस ऑफ मुस्लिम्स विल विल कांग्रेगेट आउटसाइड ट्विटर एंड यू नो स्टार्ट टू बर्न देयर ऑफिसेस Maybe that's why they relented. Are so, actually, you know, you know, this is a good idea for the government of India. They should have imposed Section uh, 153 or hurting religious sentiments <laughs> on Twitter for banning you for quoting the Quran as hate speech. <laughs> yeah. Ravi Shankar Prasad, if you're listening to this, please file the case. No, I don't know what Okay, so one one last question, Abhijit. I can give this question to you. Um, it's about, uh, I think, I don't know how to put it, Abhijit, but somebody has said, what's the biggest mistake of India that we did not have some kind of a Hindu reconquista after partition, similar to the Spain after the Moorish rule? Uh, this will be the last question, and then maybe we can wrap it up. No, it's not a reconquista. It was a full exchange of population. 
like what happened between Turkey and Greece. Uh, 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 and in several places, it even happened in Germany, but that was done on ethnic lines that, you know, all German uh, 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 minorities were expelled from modern day Poland, Czech Republic. Uh, a lot of millions of Germans died during that process, like they did during the population exchange between uh, 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 Greece and uh, 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 Turkey. Uh, the problem has always one, been one of a narrow minded leadership. They don't think of the future. They are too attached to their uh, uh, sloganeering uh, than they are to practicality. For example, in India today, we keep hearing about Atmanirbhar Bharat. We keep hearing about Sabka Saat, Sabka Vikas. Do you actually see any of that happening? Kuch nahi. Make in India has now become Atmanirbhar Bharat. Nobody wants to know what the hell happened to Make in India. And the clown who was in charge of it has now been given a promotion and greater pay and put in charge of one more uh, fraud job. So this is what happened during Nehru's period also. Sloganeering uh, rather than cold, calculated policy. See, so, I like yes, to there add should have here, been a population absolutely. exchange. Yeah. Uh, uh, see, I'd like to add one thing here. And I think this takes off from what Abhijit is saying. Of course, that uh, fact is Abhijit is 100 times more scathing than I am. Because, uh, uh, you know, he, he uses the words which I, uh, I cannot use. But the fact of the matter is, you tell me one nation. I mean, I am going to do For 30 years, you haven't taken them back. Not only that, your Supreme Court says that now we will not take cases of murder, rape, and everything because 30 years have elapsed. This it is so absurd. It is like, you know, uh, uh, who, who wrote uh, uh, on absurdism. And, uh, and, and, and mind you, mind yeah. you, the Supreme Court has said this in spite of the fact that we have no statute of limitations on murder. Correct. Because 1984 happened five years before this. Yeah. And Supreme Court is still hearing cases. So this is absurd, you know. And for seven years, if you have this so-called Hindu... Virat Hindu, uh, uh, you know, Sina you are government. Hai. I mean, aap Israel ko hai. Aap, you, you have the example before you. So my thing is, okay, I'm not for any, uh, uh, you know, kind of polarization, even though I hate religion. And I'm very honest about it. And I'm never politically correct about it. My thing is, a lesson not given is a lesson not learned. Because you did not give this lesson of taking back what Israel would have done immediately, all those five lakh Kashmiri Pandits back to their homes. Their homes have been stolen. These things will keep on repeating themselves, believe it or not. In the next 20 years, 30 years, we will see this. In Bengal, already openly TMC politicians were saying, One day. So it is it is now seeped into the psyche. And why? Because of a weak Indian state. Nothing to do with religion, yeah. I mean, Israel, when, he, uh, when it fights for Gaza, when it fights for the rights of Israelis, does he think of religion? It's thinking, no, bro, it's their right, it's their right. Where did the religion come from? 5,000,000 people have been given. It's not their right, it's not their home. Why don't they go back there? It's not their responsibility. Now, Abhijit has said that it's the state's responsibility that 200 million people attend the Kumbh Mela. Give security. Here, there are 200 million people. There are 1 million people. Half a million, five lakh logon ko, aapne unke ghar wapis jane ke liye arrangement nahi diya. Kaun se state ki baat kar rahe ho aap yaar? 
sorry i get a bit too excited about this it's not good but anyway that was what i was saying हाँ भाई तो तेरी तो तेरे को तो तेरी तबीयत की खास ध्यान रखना पड़ेगा बाय द वे आनंद जस्ट वांट टू से आज के लाइव चैट में मैं पढ़ रहा था लाइव स्ट्रीम में कम से कम पंद्रह परसेंट मैसेजेस जस्ट फॉर द रिकॉर्ड आनंद सबने तेरी तबीयत कैसी है पूछी है तो बता दे सबको तेरी तबियत कैसी है एक बार थैंक यू थैंक थैंक यू सो मच आई एम वेरी ग्रेटफुल फॉर ऑल योर हेल्प एंड सपोर्ट एंड पीपल लाइक कौशल एन अभिजीतिंग केयर ऑफ मी मेटाफोरिकली गाली वाली नहीं देते हैं ज्यादा आजकल डरे हुए हैं बेचारे बट नो आई आई एम डूइंग वेल Thank you so much. And now I okay. think we have to wind up because uh, mother country ka game hai aaj yaar. Mother country Haan. versus Germany. Yes. <laughs> so 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 we will wrap it up. See, I tried to take as many questions as possible. Uh, I may I might have missed a few here and there. मुझे माफ करना भाई live viewers इसके लिए. I I tried to mix all the questions together because बहुत ज़्यादा questions थे. To both my guests, look, all three of us are uh, you know we might have our disagreements here and there, but वो जिसको कहते हैं ना हिंदी में बाल की खालू खाने वाली disagreements होती हैं हम तीनों की. But uh, today was a unique case where three three disbelievers were talking about how to save hinduism <laughs> so so it is what it is to to both my friends anand and abhijit guys thanks a lot for coming thank you so much i like to say i i thoroughly enjoyed this one of the best discussions i've had and the reason for that was that we uh, none of our uh, stands were absolutely certain so we were constantly learning from each other and i think that is yes. that that's the that, that is the one reason why the discussions become so wonderful is that i didn't know that i was absolutely certain of my point of view and at the end i, I in fact i agree so much with abhijit what abhijit said and i hope the government listens to him but of course with the kind of language that he has and expletives he has reserved for the powers that be it's a fat chance that the government would listen to him <laughs> but nonetheless we all try don't we Thank you so much, guys. Absolute wonderful. Maharaj Ji, Shankaranand, Maharaj Ji ki jai. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. So unfortunately, Thanks. today we could not decide amongst Anand and Abhijit who is the true Tamilian and who is the Punjabi. Oh, Maybe we on. will discuss. <laughs> <laughs> on on that, I am certain. On that, there is no discussion. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll have to do a discussion on that one day in detail. Actually, no. What discussion? Cup? Can we? I mean, when I Delhi, I'll come and I'll meet Anand and Abhijit with me. We'll do that. We'll do that. Yes, we will. Uh, we will have that discussion then. But guys, thanks a lot for watching this discussion. This was last moment. So, if I forgot, if I forgot, please forgive me. again this is a very vital information uh, discussion guys i'm going to be extracting the audio and putting it on the audio version too but please like this video leave your comments there i'll try to read and pass on the comments as men, I, as, as much as i can to anand and abhijit share this amongst your friends let us have an open discussion about where does the line end when it comes to forced conversions versus you know the basic fundamental right to convert out of a religion to another one or maybe no religion at all and please support the podcast become a member on youtube subscribe on patreon buy the merch and send your donations via upi subscribe follow anand and abhijit on twitter and try and support these kinds of ideas i'll see you guys next time until then namaste take care goodbye